we've had two sermons from Joel. And in the first sermon, the key verse was from chapter 2, verse 11, which reads, The day of the Lord is indeed great and very awesome, and who can endure it? So what had happened in Joel's day? The Lord had sent locusts to destroy the crops, and why would God do such a thing? Awfully punitive, right? Well, as I've reminded us, the people had acted wickedly, and they brought it on themselves. They brought the locust plague on themselves. They were asking for it. You know, you're, you're disciplining your children, or you command your child, don't do this. Don't touch that. And they take a step further. You mean like this? They were asking for it. God had weighed the people's deeds on his righteous scales, and they were guilty. They were disobedient. And because God is just, he brought judgment to the people. The day of the Lord is indeed great and very awesome, and who can endure it? So Joel later writes that all who call on the name of the Lord will be delivered. Joel prophesies later that the Lord will pour out his spirit on all flesh. And that's finally where we get this morning. And it's going to be a joy. But the first parts of Joel, and even in chapter 3, like a lot of what the prophets wrote, they're very sobering. Very sobering. We don't like sobering. We like comedy. We like levity. Well, it was sobering for Joel because this was reality to him. Again, he was looking at the fields. The crops were gone. How can you not be sober? After the locusts did their work, the crops were gone. The economy was destroyed. It was no more. Again, those of us who are winos, who turned to strong drink, who trust in alcohol rather than who trust in God. There wasn't even a drink to turn to for relief. The Lord took the grain. Awake, drunkards, and weep and wail, all you wine drinkers, on account of the sweet wine that is cut off from your mouth. That's when you know it was serious. God had removed their alcohol. He removed even the option to be drunk. And God brings judgment so that we, his people, will repent so that the people will turn in faith to him. And it, the point is simple. Where there is corruption and sin in our church, God will bring punishment for it. And we often, we take God's forgiveness and mercy for granted. That's why there are so many warnings in the New Testament. Don't presume. Don't take his grace for granted. In Joel's day, among God's people, what looked like faith among the people, what looked like obedience, it had been exposed. It was an empty form. Just like we were reading in What is an Evangelical this Saturday, men? We need to be people who are filled by the Spirit, not just some empty form, right? He, Lloyd-Jones goes on to talk about an evangelical holds to discontinuity. He breaks away from certain traditions. He's alive. Well, in Joel's day, the people were exposed. They were morally depraved. 
And so they're rich, they're fat, they're sassy, and in come the locusts and destroy the crops. So that was the first sermon. The second sermon from Joel was about repentance and restoration. Real sinners who had received God's punishment, who had received God's judgment, the Lord started to bring them to repentance and to restore them. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart and with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord because he's gracious. He is a compassionate God. Slow to anger. Abounding in loving kindness. Who knows? Joel writes. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him. Even a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. The Lord has always been in the business of saving his people. So that the nations will know that he is God. You think of Moses. How many times God... God says, all right, stand aside. I'm going to wipe them all out. I'll make a new nation of you. And Moses stops and says, no, Lord, don't do it. Because the people back in Egypt, they'll say, oh, God just brought them out into the wilderness to destroy them. Don't do it for your name's sake. The Lord is about saving his people so that the Lord's name is high and lifted up. Joel writes, the Lord will be zealous for his land. He will have pity on his people. The Lord will answer and say to his people, behold, I'm going to send you grain, new wine, and oil. You'll be satisfied in full. I'll never again make you a reproach among the nations. Never again. Joel writes of God's promises. Then I will make up to you for the years that the swarming locust has eaten. The creeping locust, the stripping locust, and the gnawing locust. My great army which I sent among you. So the Lord had wiped out the crops. He sent the locust. So how can God make it grow back? It's gone. This is what we tell ourselves in our lives. But I have a question for you. Is the Lord's power limited? Absolutely not. He will make good on his work. Satan never makes good on his promises. He's a liar. God always makes good. Joel promises, Joel tells us of God's promises. I will make up to you for the years the locusts have eaten. So today, you and I here, every walk, here, where sin can entangle. I've failed with my kids. I haven't loved them. I haven't disciplined them like, like I know I should. The Lord can restore those years that the locusts have eaten. I haven't loved my wife. I've not cherished her. Or I've abdicated my authority. I've been a lazy slob. Or I've been harsh. I haven't been bearing with weakness around me. Or you wives, I haven't loved my husbands. I haven't loved my, my husband. 
I haven't submitted to my husband. Well, because they've abdicated, of course. Because I have an out, so I have an out. Or because they haven't borne with my weakness, wives, or because you simply must take matters into your own hands, I won't submit to that man. The Lord can restore those years that the locusts have eaten. We've given ourselves to sexual sin, to lust and pornography. We're consumed by bitterness because relationships didn't turn out the way we planned. We're consumed by bitterness because many things in life didn't turn out the way we planned. They didn't turn out the way we deserved. God has given us infinitely better than we deserve. I've rebelled against my parents. I've disrespected them. The Lord will restore the years the locusts have eaten. I've given myself to adultery. I'm a victim of molestation. I'm guilty of molestation. I had an abortion. I murdered my son or daughter. Whatever current sin there's been, Joel writes of God's promises. He will restore the years. When I kept silent about my sin, David writes, my body is wasting away. It's like a locust eating the crops. When God brings judgment, he brings judgment. To you, to me, to our nation, to this world. He sent a swarm, a massive army of locusts. And when God shows mercy and compassion and forgiveness, he has no equal. Like the father of the prodigal son, his son turns away, comes home. Dad knows what the son has been up to. And what does he do? Well, son, you slaughters the fattened calf, welcomes him. My son was lost, and now he's home. Welcome home. The Lord restores the years in his timing. He is not our debtor. He's not your debtor. He owes you nothing. He's not obligated to restore the years. But he is compassionate. He's full of loving kindness. There's hope. There's only one hope. Only God restores the years the locusts have eaten. We might plant some seeds... We might do some watering, but God causes the growth so that he gets all the glory. He's jealous for it. So now, the sermon text this morning from Joel. But first, we need to turn to Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. So if you turn with me to Acts 2, what was the day of Pentecost? The day of Pentecost occurs on the 50th day after Passover. It means 50th day. It commemorates God's giving of the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai, 50 days after the Exodus. So, so just listen as I read here from Acts chapter 2, and then we'll stand when we turn back to Joel. But just listen for now. Acts 2, verse 1. 
When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, Why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the districts of Libya around Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others were mocking and saying, they're full of sweet wine. Peter's sermon, listen to this, continuing in verse 14. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, Men of Judah and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. 9 a.m. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. Quote from Joel. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will grant wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So now, if everyone will please stand. That was a long intro. Please stand for the reading of God's word from Joel 2. 28, and we'll read to the end of Joel. Joel 2, 28. Now we have the context. It will come about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind, and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on the male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will display wonders in the sky and on the earth, blood, fire, and columns of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it will come about that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be those who escape, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. For behold, in those days and at that time, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. Then I will enter into judgment with them there, 
on behalf of my people and my inheritance Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations. And they have divided up my land. They have also cast lots for my people, traded a boy for a harlot, and sold a girl for wine that they may drink. Moreover, what are you to me, O Tyre, Sidon, and all the regions of Philistia? Are you rendering me a recompense? But if you do recompense me, swiftly and speedily, I will return your recompense on your head. Since you have taken my silver and my gold, brought my precious treasures to your temples, and sold the sons of Judah and Jerusalem to the Greeks, in order to remove them far from their territory, behold, I am going to arouse them from the place where you have sold them, and return your recompense on your head. Also I will sell your sons and your daughters into the hand of the sons of Judah, and they will sell them to the Sabians to a distant nation, for the Lord has spoken. Proclaim this among the nations, prepare a war, rouse the mighty men, let all the soldiers draw near, let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am a mighty man. Hasten and come, all you surrounding nations, and gather yourselves there. Bring down, O Lord, your mighty ones. Let the nations be aroused, and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat, for there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, tread, for the winepress is full. The vats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and moon grow dark, and the stars lose their brightness. The Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth tremble. But the Lord is a refuge for his people and a stronghold to the sons of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. So Jerusalem will be holy, and strangers will pass through it no more. And in that day the mountains will drip with sweet wine and the hills will flow with milk and all the brooks of Judah will flow with water. And a spring will go out from the house of the Lord to water the valley of Shittim. Egypt will become a waste and Edom will become a desolate wilderness because of the violence done to the sons of Judah in whose land they have shed innocent blood. But Judah will be inhabited forever and Jerusalem for all generations and I will avenge their blood, which I have not avenged. For the Lord dwells in Zion. This is the word of the Lord. Be Please be seated. God promising to pour out his spirit on all flesh. There is a lot of confusion today about the Holy Spirit. These passages will help us to think about the Holy Spirit biblically. Pour out my spirit on all flesh. Does this mean that every individual will receive God's Holy Spirit? Will every individual? That's what it says, right? Well, obviously not, because what does verse 32 say? And it will come about that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered. Will everyone call on the name of the Lord? Obviously not. God will pour out his spirit on every believing man, woman, and child. So in verse 28, God is sending his spirit. 
and one result of him sending his spirit will be prophecy. Verse 28, sons and daughters will prophesy. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 12. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith. So is everyone here a prophet? 1 Corinthians 12, all are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? We are the body of Christ with different gifts, and that's a good thing. So again, we see obviously that not every individual is called to prophesy. On the other hand, listen to what Moses says way back in Numbers 11. Would that all the Lord's people were prophets. That the Lord would put his spirit upon them. Moses talked about it way before Joel did. Of course, these prophecies don't come completely fulfilled until Messiah. So John 7, now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. Those who believed received the Spirit. For the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. It's interesting. In the Old Testament, the Spirit came abundantly on relatively select few people. Especially on prophets, on kings, on priests, on judges. Before Christ came, the Holy Spirit, relatively speaking, was not poured out as abundantly. But after Christ came, the Holy Spirit was poured out abundantly. If we were in the South, I'd get an amen to that. Now, as Joel prophesied, and as we see in Acts, the Holy Spirit extends to all flesh, that is, all who call on the name of the Lord. Mark's smiling. Natchez, Mississippi. He does this other preacher man. Ah! So Joel prophesies of the Spirit's coming, widespread gift of prophecy. Not every individual will prophesy, but may it be gifts of the Holy Spirit. Here's what Isaiah says. I will pour out water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. Any father or mother here want your child to be full of the Holy Spirit? Anybody? They will spring up among the grass like poplars by streams of water. This one will say, I am the Lord's. And that one will call on the name of Jacob. And another will write on his hand, belonging to the Lord. And will name Israel's name with honor. Take a listen to this one, Zechariah 12. I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication. Listen. 
so that they will look on me whom they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son, and they will weep bitterly over him like the bitter weeping of a firstborn. Did you know that one was in there? The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians. There's a lot in Corinthians. We only have so much time. We need to wrap up soon. There's so much in there. Do we know our Bibles? Do we know what Paul writes about the Holy Spirit? Listen to 1 Corinthians 12, or you can turn there. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. You say Jesus is Lord? That's by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, the Apostle Paul goes on, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpreting of tongue, interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as he wills, just as God does it. So we're sitting here, Christ Church, Protestant, Reformed, Evangelical. Because that's the right way to go. We're not like those crazy Pentecostal charismatics. Not here. Mm-mm. I mean, we know they don't understand the Holy Spirit. Have you seen some of the things they do? So do we understand the Holy Spirit? Since we've got a market, corner of the market, on knowing the Holy Spirit. Do we know the Holy Spirit? What's our tendency sitting here? Think about our tendency with the Holy Spirit. Are we filled with the Holy Spirit? What does a life full of God's Spirit look like? Another question, do we quench the Spirit? Do you quench the Spirit? You know there are warnings about that. We're afraid of seeing those crazy charismatic Pentecostals. We aren't like those people, at least. But do we swing into the other ditch and practically deny the Holy Spirit? Is there prophecy here? What does real godly prophecy look like? Patrick, does prophecy look like in 2030 the Reds will win a pennant? No. Silly. What is godly prophecy? Well, it can look like loving your brother enough to care for his soul. Look at him in the eyes and say, you're in sin, aren't you, brother? You have confessed unconfessed sin, don't you? Prophecy is testifying about what God has done. We can't all do this. Just testifying what God has done to coworkers, family, and friends. That's it. 
God has done this for me. Praise him. I tell you, it takes more faith to speak and live like that. We get a benefit from prophecy every week. We get to hear preaching from God's word, from the pulpit. We hear sermons. They come from the Lord. And he pours out his spirit. So what about you? What does a Christian life look like that is full of the Holy Spirit? Well, Joel's writing, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. So what do you dream about? What do you dream about at night? What do you dream about during the day? When God pours out his spirit on a man, that man is changed. His thinking is changed. Pastor Bailey was recently reading from John, and oh boy, I and we are so thankful he's preaching from the Gospel of John. And he talks about the difference of an employee who hates his boss and who puts in his eight hours, I've done what you told me to do. By the way, I hate you, boss. I'm going home. That employee doesn't love the, love the master. A Christian who loves God knows the will of God. In all circumstances, we don't clock in and clock out. In all circumstances, this is what it's like to live a life full of the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Spirit, we know what God's will is in all these little situations we find ourselves in. By His Spirit, He helps us to know His Scriptures. His Scriptures are clear, clear for us to understand, clear for us to know. When a man is full of the Spirit, he's changed. He's not the same. What consumes your thoughts? What do you talk about? Again, I, I don't have time to get into 1 Corinthians 14, but take the time. Take the time to read 1 Corinthians 14. It goes on about the Holy Spirit, prophecy, tongues, decently and in good order. Do you know that in 1 Corinthians 14, yet even lifeless things, either flute or harp, in producing a sound, if they do not produce a distinction in the tones, how will it be known what is played on the flute or on the harp? If a bugle produces an indistinct sound, who will prepare himself for battle? 1 Corinthians 14, about the spirit. Clear note, fellowship. Listen, we need to be people of prayer. I've been noticing that God is just beginning to make us people of prayer. And if this church and Clear Note Fellowship, if we are not full of the Holy Spirit, we will fall into dead formalism, dead orthodoxy. Are you going to stand for it? It's easy sitting here to say, oh, no, that's, that's not going to be me. But it's always a temptation. We have to recognize that temptation. Are we going to be alive and full of the Holy Spirit, or are we going to just go through the motions and have dead orthodoxy? Full of the Holy Spirit. Pray for God to send His Spirit. All right, now let's finish. From Joel 2, verses 30 to 32. Here's what Joel writes. We can't get through all of chapter 3 this morning, sorry. 
Joel 2, 30 to 32. I will display wonders in the sky and on the earth, blood, fire, and columns of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it will come about that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be those who escape, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered. Whoever does it. Thus says the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. You ready for it? Here's what the Lord says. Call to me and I will answer you. Did you catch that? Call to me and I will answer you, God says. I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. The Apostle Paul repeats it in Romans 10. Whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Christ's church, parents, individuals, do not presume. Are your children Christians simply based on the fact that you're a Christian? Are you a Christian simply based on the fact that your parents are Christians? Take warning for your soul. The Apostle Paul in Romans 9, they are not all Israel who are descended from Israel, nor are they all children because they are Abraham's descendants. Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, though the number of the sons of Israel be like the sand of the sea, it is the remnant that will be saved, for the Lord will execute his word on the earth thoroughly and quickly. So Joel warns us throughout this whole little book, the day of the Lord is coming. It's coming, sure enough. There are terrifying warnings of judgment in this book. Warnings of judgment are serious. They tell of judgments that will come later, judgments that will come even some after Christ came to earth. And it's kind of annoying, isn't it? You know, as we read the prophets, they just keep hammering that. They just... You know, why couldn't Joel just end right there? Call on the name of the Lord. Then you have all of chapter 3. Because we need to be reminded of it. Because we're stubborn and hard-hearted. We need to be warned of the coming judgment and punishment. I do. The Apostle Paul, the Apostle John, rather, wrote Revelation... Talk about a spirit-filled book. Talk about a book of judgment and punishment. Talk about a book of promise. God the Father sent his son, his only son. And the world hated Jesus, disrespected Jesus, crucified Jesus. And it was the Father's will to crush his son for the salvation of the souls of believers. God the Father did that. Sent his son to the cross. But 
How does the Father treat those who reject His Son? How does He treat those who disrespect His Son? Dads, do you like it when, you're, when your son is disrespected? Listen, take heed to your souls. Call on the name of the Lord. Everyone here, you call on the name of the Lord. Teach your children to call on the name of the Lord. Pray for your children. They must call on the name of the Lord themselves. You must call on the name of the Lord for the sake of your soul. And you need to call on the name of the Lord by faith. This faith comes from the Holy Spirit. Praise God that he has sent his spirit. Amen? Let's pray.